Hey there, welcome to this excellent church. We believe the word of God is the charter of our lives and God's way to reshape values and reconcile men to himself. We hope this message brings edification, exhortation and comfort. Be blessed. Luke 18 verse 1. Ideally, we're meant to continue on Ephesians, but things usually come up um, that require that we address certain things in the church, right? Sometimes um, you will see something that may be lacking or that people may be falling behind on and it is best to address it to teach on it so that grace will be supplied amen so i title this meditations on prayer meditations on prayer or you can call it shayes meditations on prayer Luke chapter 18, verse 1. If you are there, say amen. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. The Bible teaches that men ought always to pray and not lose heart. Say amen. Ought always to pray and not lose heart. One of the greatest signs of pride in a believer is prayerlessness. A prayerless believer is one who is self-sufficient. Amen? He is one whose consistent response to life and the things that life throws at him is, I'll figure it out. Not like saying, I'll figure it out is bad. But a prayerless believer is an I will figure it out believer. And he's not saying I will figure it out because he perceives that God will help him, God will lift him, that he will soar on the wings of God. (laughs) He will figure it out because he relies on his own strength. He relies on the arm of flesh that fails. For example, um, there are some of us that when they tell you that, what if you don't have money to pay your school fees next year? Somewhere in your mind, you know that you have an uncle in America. That is an I will figure it out spirit. Praise God. Such that when situations come up and they say, oh, people are unable to pay school fees, though, you will say, mm, it's okay. I will call my uncle, or I will call my friends. They will be able to support. I will create a GoFundMe, and money will come in for my school fees. A prayerless person is one who relies on the arm, on the arm of flesh that fails. A prayerless person is someone who relies on the soundness of his mind. But the issue with soundness of mind is that soundness of mind expires with age. Amen. Did you know that? 
that you will not always be as sharp as this. So they think, mm, I'm smart. I will navigate my way around it. A perilous person is one who depends on the strength of his body. But the issue is that you will not always be this strong. The older you get, the more feeble you will become. And so you will think that, well, I can navigate through these trials. I can navigate through these sufferings because I have been dreaming. Praise God. <laughs> but he is proud. He is proud. Jesus teaches that men ought always to pray. When you think about it very well, it will make sense why you meet certain groups of believers who pray about everything. Some of your parents are like that. They pray about everything. We are going out now. Let us pray. Want to eat? Let us pray. Someone just brought a gift. Let us pray. Let us thank God for the gift. Of course, some take it extreme and say, let us pray and kill the demons lodged within the rice. But the spirit is consistent. It is a sense that knows, a mind that knows that I am not self-sufficient, that prays. He's a person that knows that he is nothing. The Bible says that um, as, a, as a father pieces his children, so the Lord pieces us, for he knows our frame. He remembers we are dust. When a man remembers that he is dust, he remembers that if you leave me to myself, I can't do much. Remember, the soundness of mind expires with age. The strength of a person's body, no matter how much you spend in, in the gym. Look at Arnold Schwarzenegger now. Eh? Is he still buff? The thing done the poor. <laughs> Praise God. Because the strength of arm will fail you. And so, if you don't pray, you are proud. A man whose life, or a man must live his life completely aware that God is his source and God is his sustenance. Look at Acts chapter 17. Acts 17, 24 to 28. If you are there already, praise the Lord. Acts 17, 24 to 28. It says, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human beings as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined the allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet is actually not far from each of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. It's something we must recognize. As even one, some of your own poets have said, for we indeed are his offspring. Job chapter 12 verse 10. 
Job 12, verse 10. Are you getting blessed? Okay. Job 12, verse 10. The Bible says, in his hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. What's the point? The point I'm trying to make is that a man must live his life completely aware that God is his source. He is our source and is the one who gives purpose to our lives. If life will make sense, if our sufferings and our trials will make sense, if all our joys and goodness and prosperity in this world must be put in its proper perspective, we have to be in a constant state of returning to God, our source. In his hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. Think about it again. If in his hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind, it just makes sense to always return to him. Because if it is in his hand that we find the breath of all mankind, that means he's the one who defines your purpose. If he created you, he knows who you are. He knows what is best for your life. And so if you are not praying, you are cutting yourself off from the source of your existence. If you are not praying, you think you know better than the one who created you. Amen? You don't have a prayer life. You are proud. You are self-sufficient. You are too reliant on the things that fade away. You think they will last forever. But there is one in whose hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. If you understand everything I've said, shout hallelujah. I'm going to share a few thoughts with you about four of them, God will help us to understand. I expect that this sermon will be short, you know, honesty, this time around, so that we can pray. <laughs> the first thought I would like to share with you is this, number one, God has called us to fellowship with him in Christ. God has called us to fellowship with him in Christ. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. The Bible says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Did you see that? God has called us into fellowship with him. Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. Okay. Galatians chapter 4, verse 6 to 7. It says, And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying what? Crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if, if a son, then an heir through God. So what does that mean to you? That means that God has called you to fellowship with Him. That the witness of the Spirit in your heart is sonship. He cries within you, Abba, Father. You are a son, and you have been sealed with the Spirit. Amen? God is faithful, who has called us to fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. And so, this fellowship 
that I just described to you is best exemplified in the practice of prayer. Something Pisam used to tell us back in Ibadan, when he was pastoring us, some of us, back in Ibadan, is that one activity that perfectly or best describes redemption is the practice of prayer. Where we actually walk in that fellowship, that where that fellowship that we have with the Son is not just theory, not just an abstract thing, but it is something practical, something that is done actively. Amen? So this fellowship that God has called us into is best exemplified in the place of prayer. And Jesus taught his disciples in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, to pray, saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Did you see that? That it says that when you are approaching God, you approach him as your father. It is on the basis of a relationship. God has called you to fellowship. Amen? Of course, he is not hallowed because you said it. And that's something beautiful to think about. That when we say, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, it did not become hallowed when we say, hallowed be your name. He is not hallowed because we call him hallowed. He is hallowed because he's hallowed. He is hallowed because he's set apart. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Praise God. He is not our mate. He is high up there. But Jesus is now saying that that person that is high up there, that person who is hallowed, that is set apart, has called you to a relationship, he is your father. Jesus is saying that when you come into the place of prayer, you are coming to someone who is not your mate, but who wants to fellowship with you. You are coming to someone in whose hand is the breath of all life, of all mankind. But he wants to fellowship with you. This is how we should approach prayer. That though God is not my mate, he loves me especially, and he bids me come. Jeremiah 29, verse 11 to 13. I don't know why when I stopped being a charismatic preacher, not charismatic in terms of spiritual gifts, but in terms of shouting. Help me. Jeremiah 29, verse 11 to 13. Remember what I said <clears throat> Excuse me, remember what I said last? That is how we shall approach prayer. That though God is not my mate, though his ways are higher than mine, yes, this God, who is higher than the universe, invites me to fellowship, invites me to come. Think about it. Jeremiah 29, verse 11 to 13. The Bible says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. This is God's message to Israel. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. It is he. Did you see that? He says that, first I want you to know, I'm God though, I'm not your mate though, but I have plans for you. The thoughts I think towards you are thoughts of peace and not of evils will give you an expected end. And so I'm inviting you to come Seek me, you will find me. Think about it very well. You are too used to this idea of God that you have forgotten 
that this God dwells in unapproachable light, whom no eye has seen nor can see, immortal, invisible, but he bids you come in the place of prayer. He says, come. He says, you will seek me and you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. It's a big deal. But it's the same thing that some people will put their hands in their pockets. You don't know what you are doing. You don't know what you are doing. Immortal, invisible, who dwells in light and approachable, whom no one has seen or can see, says, come. Come and fellowship with me. You say, and bring out your phone. Oh, you even do video. Prayer charge, hashtag. <laughs> say after me. Say, I am playing. <laughs> Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. Matthew 6, verse 6. It says, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father. <sighs> that word father needs to start making sense to us so that we'll start make, taking prayer seriously. The same father that Jesus was talking about when he taught them to pray. And he said that when you pray, say, our father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. And he's bringing two things together at once, that someone who is I and set apart is my father. The creator of the whole universe is my father. And he bids me come. That that father hears me when I pray in secret. Says when you pray, go into your room, shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who is in secret will reward you. Isaiah 56 Isaiah 56, verse 6 to 7. Don't worry. It's, the title is what? Meditations on Prayer. It's meditative. <laughs> Isaiah 56, verse 6 to 7 says, And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, Everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. He bids me come. I said all that to say that prayer is a practice of fellowship with God. This is the place that God calls us to. That's your fellowship, that thing we call, we call the fellowship of the Spirit. Fellowship with God is not just an abstract thing. It's not just, um, it's not just a thing, a theological concept that we know in our heads and we teach to other people. But it's a practical thing where God beckons on us. Fellowship is God beckoning on us and we responding that God most I, who owes life in his hands, who owes my life, who is my source and my sustenance, who is the source of all things, in him we live and move and have our being, that God calls me to fellowship with him. 
if what I just said does not settle in your mind, what will happen is that you keep taking your prayers for granted because you are only seeing father. Maybe your experience has been that you've had a dad, an earthly dad, who is very kind and who is very nice, who is a snow, and he's always buying you chocolates and everything. So once in a while, you can knock his head. You will say, Junior, don't do that. But that's not the father we are talking about here. He doesn't do Junior, don't do that. Because once in a while, he will show you Shige. Do you get? That's not that father. The father we are talking about here, he is the creator of the heavens and the earth. And as under normal circumstances, as what we know of entities that are higher than us or people that are higher than us in whatever strata, what we know of them is that they are in a class of their own and there is no, none of you have access to, the, to Asso Rock to just go. It's only on Twitter that you can be vexing. You can't go there. But there is someone who is greater than that and he says, come, I want to fellowship with you. It is a big deal. I pray the Lord will give you understanding. Well, I just sound like an apostle. Amen. The second thought I want to share with you is that a man of prayer is a man in alignment with the will of God. A man of prayer is a man in alignment with the will of God. Back to our Matthew chapter 6, which is the Lord's Prayer. Have you learned anything so far? If you don't answer, I'll ask you a question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you learned anything so far? The people that are not answering, they are bold, though. If I ask a question now, you know. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm not kidding, but I'm joking. <laughs> Matthew 6, verse 10. It says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This portion shows two truths about prayer. Remember, I said this is meditations on prayer, so it may not follow um, any systematic. The points I'm trying to make are not in any order. They are meditations but they are meant to um, call, you, call you from the place of complacency in the place of prayer, the place of being actively, um, to, in the place of participating in prayer, so the place of praying, okay? So, they are just meditations. Verse 10, again, it says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That portion shows us two truths about prayer. Number one is that there is a sovereign coordination of God, meaning that God has a will that has been established in eternity. It says that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There is a will established in heaven. God has a sovereign foreordination. That's one fact. That's one truth that this prayer teaches us. But there's a second truth that this prayer teaches us also, that prayer is efficacious in seeing the will of God done on earth. And these two thoughts are not inconsistent. That number one, there is a sovereign coordination of God. There is a will of God established in heaven. Number two is that prayer is efficacious in seeing the will of God done on earth. 
and these two are not inconsistent. Someone described it this way. God ordains the means as well as the ends for his divine purposes. Hear that again. God ordains the means as well as the end for his divine purposes. And prayer is a means God uses to bring his sovereign will to pass. So God has a sovereign will. And sometimes he calls you to participate. He calls you to say yes to his will. He calls you to ask that that will that is established in heaven should find expression on earth. Amen? So where the will of God is revealed, prayer is how we align ourselves. Prayer is how we say, like I once said, that there is this will of God. We've seen it. It has been revealed. We love it and we want it. That's how. That is what prayer is. That there is a will of God that has been revealed. And God has ordained that though that will has been foreordained, right? That though that will has been established in heaven, he wants you to participate. Remember, prayer is fellowship. Let me say it in another way. There's another way to look at it. Before I go there, before I go there. I said that where the will of God is revealed, prayer is how we align ourselves. So that's why we have things like a scripture like 1 John chapter 5 that says that this is the confidence that we have in him that if you ask anything according to his will, you see, he hears us. So we ask according to his will. It is his will. It has been established. We ask according to his, he hears us, and then we are confident that we will receive the petitions that we ask for. Do you see that? You see him, but you don't see him. Why are you looking like this now? You see him. There's another way to look at it. Remember the thoughts we are going through? Just follow me on these thoughts. A man of prayer is a man in alignment with the will of God. Okay? Okay. And I've already mentioned from the Lord's Prayer that there is a sovereign coordination of God, right? And at the same time, we see that even our prayers are efficacious in seeing the will of God done on earth. So that means that God has ordained that some things will happen. And he calls us into fellowship with him. And says that I want you to participate in that thing that I have ordained. So how you participate is that you pray. So you ordained the means by which that thing that has been established in eternity finds expression on the earth. So I said there's another way to look at it, Abby. Prayer is the privilege God gives to moral agents to participate in what God is doing on earth. You see, God is sovereign, right? Watch. God is sovereign, meaning that he has every right to do anything he wants to do. Abi? But he has called you to fellowship. And he wants your free will to be exercised. So while he is sovereign, he wants you to also exercise your free will in seeing his will done on earth. So he invites you to participate. And how you participate is prayer. Are you now saying that if I don't pray, the will of God will not be done? I don't know for you. But this is something I know. I know that there are certain things that are in the will of God that you should ask for. That's how it is. 
that there are certain things in the will of God that has been revealed that God wants you to ask for. God wants you to seek. God wants you to knock. God wants you to ask and you will receive. Didn't the Bible tell you that even before you pray, he knows the things you need? Why didn't he just do it? Because he does not do injury to the free will of his creature. So how does he marry this sovereignty where he has foreordained the things that he wants and your free will? Prayer. That's what Jesus taught us. He said that when you pray, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There is a will that has been established in eternity. But Jesus says that I'm calling you to come and partner with me. I'm calling you to come and seek that will that it may be established on earth. You see that that thing is love. You have to see it well. That God loves me. That God rates me. He rates me. A me. What is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you think about him? And God is saying that that man, that son of man, that dust, I want you to participate in the things I am doing on earth. I have a, I have a, I have a will that has been established in heaven. I want you to be part of it. I want you to exercise your free will also and participate. This is God's eternal will that the kingdom will come. Yet he wants you, his beloved, to participate in his will. So when we pray, we are saying yes to his will. Not in a permissive sense. Not that we are permitting God. But in a participatory sense. That we are participating in what he is doing. Many of us think that our prayer, I used to think that way too, that our prayer is permitting God to do things. You can't permit him. He doesn't need your permission. But he calls you to fellowship. He wants you to participate. So when we say yes to his will, we are not permitting him. We are participating in his will. Just like Abraham God is saying that I'm not going to hide what I'm doing. He's my friend. I won't hide what I'm doing. I want to do something. But Abraham, come. Let me tell you what I'm doing. So Abraham participated in that decision making. Did you see it? So in the same sense, he has called you to fellowship. So prayer is not something, ah, prayer is not something that you are just doing. Prayer is man aligning with the will of God. Prayer is man participating in what an almighty God is doing. Literally, he could just do, and everything he wants to do will come in place. But he's inviting you. He's saying, come, let's do it together. You are proud if you are not praying. Amen. I wrote here. It is like God saying, hey, come and see what I am doing. And you say, you are God. You are sovereign. Hallowed be your name. All you do is good. Let your will be done in me. 
So when we say yes to the will of God, again, you're not saying it in a permissive sense. You're saying it in a participatory sense. That is fellowship. That is fellowship. He has called you to fellowship. That also means that because he won't do injury to your will, that also means that it is possible for his will not to be done in you. <clears throat> it means that you can live your life outrightly denying what he is doing. You can live your life doing what you like. I hope you know that you can be doing what you like. God can turn it around for good. That's why we call it permissive will. You know, he allows you to be doing what you like. You can out, outrightly live your life rejecting what he has built and be doing what you like. But when you're a person of prayer, your life is never going this way. Even if it doesn't feel like it, your life is always in alignment. Your perspective is in alignment because you are participating with God. This is in this sense we have scriptures like Hebrews chapter 13. I thought this sermon would be short. It's not my fault. In this sense, you have scriptures like Hebrews chapter 13. Are you people learning anything? Are you sure? Am I sounding too? Okay, just in case. There's a way I can sound. That's your bless you. Where is the room? Where is the chamber? All right, never mind. So, Hebrews 13, verse 20. I would have loved to share the video with you, but I can't. I'm sorry. It's not in my place to do such. It says, Now, may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Do you see that? That's the point. That God will work in us that which is his will. That's the point. Amen. I love now they look me like this now. Think about it. When we talked about Ephesians 1, the last time I was here, we talked about election and all of that. And one of the things we learned is that the end of election is benediction. The end of election is not argumental. <laughs> That's another problem we have. When some people are studying election and predestination and all those things, what you are seeing is so you mean that God did not choose? That's not the point, though. You are missing the point. You are missing the plot completely. What is the point? That by that doctrine, you look back and you see that, ha, ah, God chose me. That every step I took in my life, every moment of my life was God ordering my life to fulfill his plans and his purposes. That's the right perspective. It is doxology. Election is meant to produce what? Doxology. Praise. Thank you. That's, and that's how Paul addressed it. He says, blessed be God. Who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. 
You see? Um, when he was talking to the Thessalonians, he says that we know that God has chosen you. Because when the word of God came to you, it didn't come with word only, but in much power and much assurance and in the Holy Spirit. And we saw, we saw your conduct. We saw the things you were doing. That's the perspective. That's, that's what election is meant to produce in you. Thanksgiving, appreciation of what God is doing. There's something else that is meant to produce in you, and I thought you that last time. Prayer. That if there is an almighty God who had me in mind before he called light to shine out of darkness, that means he has a plan for my life. That means he has a purpose for my life. So Paul says, you know what, I've been praying for you guys, that the Lord will open your eyes, that you may know the hope to which you've been called, that you may know it, that you may know the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, that you may know the exceeding greatness of his power to us where to believe. Prayer is alignment. The one who prays is the one who aligns with the will of God. Amen. My third thought that I'm going to share with you is this. Remember I said it's not following any systematic order. It's just, just meditations. I have four thoughts to share. My third thought is this. To say your will be done is not an indication of lack of faith. To say your will be done, you know, um, when we pray, you know, we have to say your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when we just say your will be done, you know, things are happening and all of that. We are praying, Lord, let your will be done. It's not an indication of lack of faith. I'll quote a commentary from this, my Bible. It says, the faith we bring to prayer must include a trust that God is able to hear our prayers and that he is disposed to answer them. Meaning that when you are approaching prayer, you are approaching prayer with a mind that God answers prayer. That God wants to answer your prayers. Chikena. God wants to answer your prayers. Psalm 65, verse 1 and 2. Let me read it. I love you so much. Psalm 65. Hope you guys are still here. Okay. The Psalm of David. It says, Praise is due to you, O God in Zion, and to you shall vows be performed. O you who hear prayer, to you shall all flesh come. Did you see that? David is saying that God hears prayer. That must be your first. When you are going into prayer and you are saying, ha, this situation, God, let's, ha, let's your will be done. It is not lack of faith. It should not come from a place of lack of faith that maybe God doesn't want to hear me. Amen. God is disposed to hear your prayers. Hear me very well. God is disposed to shake any. Good. Is able to hear our prayers and is disposed to answer them. Let me read another psalm for you. Psalm 145. Psalms are good. Psalm 145. Sorry. Verse 18 to 19. The Bible says, The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. 
He also hears their cry and saves them. So when you are praying, <laughs> let me just tell you something now. If you are sleepy, just stand up. When you are praying, you must approach prayer knowing that God does what? Fulfills the desire of those who fear him and he hears their cry and saves them. Is that clear enough? Now the other part of the commentary now says, yet, when God says no to our requests, this faith also trusts in his wisdom. Faith is not, I will decree a thing that shall be established. And then when it is not established, you say, I didn't, I didn't have faith enough. You didn't have faith in the first place. Faith is that when I approach prayer, I know he answers. I know he's disposed to answer. But if he does not answer, faith is also that I trust his wisdom. Like Paul said, Paul said, no, it wasn't even Paul, it was Job. He says, though he slay me, I will open him. That is faith. Faith is both of them. When we say your will be done in my life, we are saying that it is not, it's not a statement of I don't believe. I think that things may stop along the way. No. Faith is that when we come to prayer, we know he answers prayers. We know it will help with our finances. We know it will help with that exam. We know that it will deliver us from evil. We know, do you understand? Oh, there's a need. We know that when we come to him, he is disposed to hear. But he's not God, Jehovah, Christmas. He's not Father Christmas that will always give you everything you want. He is God your Father. Meaning that because he's your father and he knows all things, think about it very well, Lo. He's your father means that he, he prioritizes your good. Means that he is disposed to take care of you. That if you come with a problem, you come with an issue, he will take care of you. He is your father. In the same vein that he is your father, is that sometimes he withdraws certain things from you. Because he is wiser than you and he knows better than you. Earthly fathers know this. How much more, Heavenly Father? Earthly fathers know. So that when he doesn't give us the answer we seek, like Paul, when Paul was you know, asking that the Lord would take away that thorn from his flesh, God is his father. God knows. God is disposed to remove that thorn. But God said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul responds. That is faith. Paul responds and says that I will glory in my weakness that the power of Christ may rest on me. That is faith. Faith is that number one. I know he will answer me. He is my father. He prioritizes my good. Faith is also that if my father says something is not yet time, if my father withdraws something from me, maybe because it is harming me, maybe it is making me more self-sufficient, if my father withdraws something from me, if my father doesn't answer that thing I'm asking for, I will say, I will rejoice in my weakness. But when I am weak, then I am truly strong. 
Amen. God is not Father Christmas. God is not El Nicholas. Praise God. My final point. If prayer is man in fellowship with God, then the whole man must be involved in the practice of prayer. Amen. At this point, I will drag you. You see, while theology must be biblical, while theology must be systematic, while theology must be historical, right? While theology must be dogmatic and all of that, theology must be practical. Amen? Let me give you an example. Someone comes to you and says that anytime I pray, so the person understands that you should pray, and the person understands the doctrine of praying, right? But the person now says, anytime I pray, I am always distracted. You know that what is coming to play is practical theology. How do we in practice pray? Amen? I said all of that, all that story. To say that it is not enough to know the doctrine of prayer. Prayer must be done right. Everything I said from the beginning is important so that I can have the right view and the right perspective. God is my father. He is the author and the source of all creation. Yet he calls me into fellowship with himself. When I pray, God is asking me to participate in all that he is doing in creation and all of that stuff. When you know that, it's also important that you know the practice. In fact, knowing that should inform your practice of prayer. It is not enough for you to know the doctrine. You must do it right. You must do it properly. One of the things we see clearly from Scripture is James chapter 5, verse 16. It says that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, meaning that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man has much power, does much. Meaning that prayer is meant to be effectual fervent. Oh, I'm easily distracted. It's because... The person who prays, maybe, I don't know, I don't know if this is the problem. Maybe when we say that my spirit prayeth, that maybe you think that it just means that, you know, no matter how I'm doing it, my spirit prayeth, something is happening inside me. No, man is not a spirit that has a soul that lives in a body. Man is spiritual and body. Man is whole and complete. Man. Your spirit was bought, your body was bought, your soul was bought by the precious blood of Jesus. Amen. I hope you know that your body was bought. The Bible tells us that you should not join your body with an allot. It says because you have been purchased with price. So your body belongs to God. One day it will be glorified. The reason why it will be glorified is because it has been bought. Do you understand? What does that mean in prayer? That means that prayer involves the man. If a man is in fellowship with God, the man prays. His spirit prays, his mind prays, his body prays. Paul says, for this cause, I bow my knees. His body bows. 
His hands are lifted. I encourage men everywhere to pray with hands lifted up without wrath or doubting. Hands are lifted. Knees are bent. Minds are involved. You cannot be praying and be chewing gum. You cannot. You cannot be praying and be, and your mind is going up and down, up and down. In practice, the reason why your mind is going up and down is because your body is not involved. I hope you know that if you, that you can use your body to draw your mind back. You are, watch me. You are praying like this. Lord, I just want to thank you. Because I know it happens to me a lot. Not even in tongues. You know, it's very easy to be carried away by tongues, right? Not even in tongues. You're understanding. Lord, I just want to thank you. Thank you for this sermon I'm going to pray today. I'm going to preach today. Lord, just grant me a trance. Trance. Sammy. It's because I'm just praying in my brain. But the reason why I'm distracted is because my body is not praying. No. <laughs> I want to say some things. You take it like that, okay? Prayer does not end in your brain. The man in fellowship with God must pray. The man. If prayer is fellowship between man and God, the man must pray. The man, his inner man and his outer man, must pray. James said that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, I've let much in the Amplified, it says that the earnest, heartfelt, heartfelt, heartfelt is visible, sure you know. Heartfelt is not. I said, thank you. They now doze off. And now we care. And I said, no, I'm not sleeping. I'm not sleeping. Your prayer is not heartfelt. You are not praying. The earnest, continued, heartfelt prayer of a righteous man availeth much. If prayer is man in fellowship with God, then the man must pray. I know I'm repeating it again and again, so it will sink in. The man, not a spirit that has a soul that lives in the body, so the spirit is the man, so the spirit is praying. No. The man, you, the Bible says that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Did you hear that? You will love the Lord your God, not just in your mind, with all your might. I'm not saying that when you are praying, you'll be lifting weights. I'm saying that prayer is all-encompassing. Prayer is the man praying. It is that prayer that availeth much. The prayer that the man prays. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Watch this. In the next verse, the Bible says, Elijah was a man of like passions, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. Guess what Elijah's earnestly looks like? Who knows? In 1 Kings, I won't read this. In 1 Kings chapter 18, you can check it, 41 to 44. 
God told Elijah, watch this. That's even a very beautiful example of what we've been saying since. God told Elijah that rain is coming. It was God that told him rain is coming. Abby? But what did Elijah do in response? He went to pray. Because the will of God has been revealed. And God is calling him, come, participate in, in what, I'm, what I'm doing, right? So Elijah went to pray. The Bible says Elijah prayed earnestly. But that is what happened with Elijah. The Bible says that Elijah went on his knees and he put his head between his thighs. I don't know how the bros did, did it, but he did it. And he didn't do it once. He did it seven times. First time, he prayed earnestly. He sent his servants, check. The guy came back and said, nothing, no. <laughs> no show. He said, no, voila. He did it again second time. Go and check, no show. He did it seven times. Once the servant came back and said, I can see a cloud the size of a fist. Right? And I says, go. And tell Elijah, I'm talking Ahab. We'll be going home because <laughs> rain will fall. The Bible says that in James, it says that Elijah was a man of like passions. Man like us. Normal guy, he gets hungry sometimes. He gets angry sometimes. Um, sometimes he divex. Sometimes he just say, if I be a man of God, fire will come down. And the fire is justified because it's the power of God to strike. You know, even they send anybody. The law says don't do this, and you are doing it. Fire job. you get? So that's Elijah for you. The Bible says he was a man of like passions, a man like us. He wasn't an angel. He was not some being up there. He was a man like us. The Bible says that he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain. Then he prayed again that it would rain, and rain fell. And how he prayed? The Bible said he prayed earnestly. The right in, in first in first Kings. It describes how his own earnestly looks like. He kneels down and puts his head between his thighs. Do you know what that means? Let me leave that a bit. It's not like it has a special meaning. I'll leave that a bit. Because some of you are looking at me now. So, so are you saying that when we pray, you know? <laughs> yes, but not really. <laughs> In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, the Bible talks about Jesus praying. Let me read that one. Hebrews 5 verse 7. I'm, I'm rounding up. Hebrews 5 verse 7. The Bible says, in the, day of, in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with skinny, with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and he was heard because of his reverence. Do you see how Jesus prayed? Earnest. Intense. Prayer. Fervent prayer. Eh? Is intense and continued. Now, intensity does not necessarily mean that you are shouting. But intense prayer is not silence. It is not invisible. Intensity could be a person physically going on his knees to pray. A person lifting up his hands to pray. A person crying in prayer. But you cannot tell me you are fervent in prayer and you are pressing your phone. Or you are chewing gum. You are not praying. On Sunday, I was at back there. And we we're taking the opening prayer. And I saw people chewing gum. I saw people strolling. You won't grow spiritually. Oh. The two examples I showed you is definitely not prescriptive in the sense that, you know, when you are praying, be wailing. When you are praying, put your head between your thighs. No. 
It is definitely describing what is going on, right? But it is prescriptive in the sense that prayer involves the whole man. That prayer is effectual, fervent. It is heartfelt, continued. Amen? This excellent church is a praying church. And it must have praying people. Prayer is not a way to make a name for ourselves. I've taught you everything I, used to, I, I, I wanted to teach you, right? You've seen everything I've said. Does it have to do anything to do with making a name? So, like, oh, they will know that, ah, this excellent church, <laughs> and they pray fire. No. The point is that for you as a person, you cannot say that you are growing spiritually just by knowing theology in your head, and your theology is not practical. You cannot say that you are praying and your mind is not there. How will it avail much? Because the prayer that avails much is earnest and heartfelt. Brothers and sisters, you cannot be chewing gum while praying. You cannot be pressing your phone while praying. If you are praying, pray. Pray. Pray that you will not faint. Pray that you will not fall into temptation. Pray. When we were younger, I attended a CAC kind of church. And, you know, meditating on this sermon made me realize the wisdom of those pastors. Because when they ask you to pray, they will say, Oh, when you shout the first Oruko Jesu, maybe it has not registered. When you shout the second Oruko, by the time you shout the third one, you will comport. You will know that we are praying. Because think about this. You are praying in Jesus' name. In my name of Jesus. Find the name of They know you are not ready. Of course, they may have taken it to mean that anytime you pray that way, you are not praying. Right? They may have taken it to mean that way. Mean that. But there's so much wisdom in engaging yourself. Now, back to the question I asked that, oh, um, anytime I'm praying, I'm always distracted. Oga, use your body to pull your mind back. That's why you have things like kneeling down in prayer. That's why you have things like lifting your hands in prayer. That's why some people shout in prayer. Use your body to bring your mind back. Because the one who, the man that fellowships with God must fellowship as a man. There is nothing like my inner man is praying and my outer man is not praying. It does not happen. That does not happen anywhere. Man fellowships with God. That's why also there's nothing like um, the sin. You know, the sin is just in my body, in my spirit. There's no sin. You are saying that, uh, so inside is where the real action is going on, but there's nothing going on outside. Guess what's happening? You are saying the sin is in your body, Abby. Guess what? The Bible says because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the children of disobedience. <laughs> but it's just in my body. And uh, when that wrath comes, you will see. The Bible says that it will destroy you from the presence of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? So in the same vein, there's nothing like the prayer is in my spirit. The prayer is in your body too. The body prays. It is important. It is important. If you know that God Almighty has called you to fellowship, number one, you won't even be pressing your phone in the first place. You won't come to church and waste your time. 
Think about it. Think about the fact that you come to church Sunday morning. We have 10 minutes of opening prayer. Volunteers have about 15 minutes to pray before that 10 minutes. You have 10 minutes of opening prayer and you are pressing your phone. You came to waste 10 minutes of your life. I mean, of course, you know, those 10 minutes, if you are watching Netflix, it's not a waste. It is relaxation. You are resting. But you came to do nothing. Because whatever it is, you are mumbling. If they ask you, what did you pray in the last 10 minutes? You know how many people cannot remember? That means you are not praying now. CEC, pray. Pray. I get it sometimes during our week, you can sleep off. That happens to me too. This awake has even been different. On Sunny. <laughs> Have you been blessed? Are you sure? It may, it may be happening to you like that. But when you eventually wake up and decide that it's time for me to pray, let me catch up. Pray. Let your mind be there. Let your body be there. Moving forward in this church, be praying. It's even where you are meant to learn how to pray. Do you get? That's the irony. That here, you are not praying. How can we vouch for you that you are praying in private? How will you walk in wisdom? Oh, you think wisdom jumps on people? K4, the Bible says that <laughs> if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. It doesn't jump on people. When we are praying to understand, it says that, that we may be filled with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the spirit supplies. It is the spirit that supplies wisdom and understanding. You will not now pray. You will not pray. Do you understand what I'm saying? My original plan was that this sermon will be short so that we will pray. So that if someone is not praying, I'll tell the person to kneel down, raise up his hand, and close his eyes. I'm joking, but like I'll, you know, I'll come and tap you. That bro, you are not praying. You are deceiving us. You are not praying. Remember, I'm not saying that the fervency means that you should be shouting, but a fervent, fervent prayer is not invisible. It is visible. You will. Ah, this person is praying. This person is praying. You may not be doing like this. <coughs> you may just be sitting down. But we can tell that this person is praying. Like this mommy now, when she's praying now. I've never seen her do like this before. I think maybe she, never mind. But I've never seen her do like this before. Well, you will tell that this mommy is praying. But there's some people too, so they will sit down like mommy, and they are not praying. Moving forward, I'll come and be missing people. That bros, they are not praying. Pray so that you don't fall into temptation. I will be doing it. Maybe I'm your pastor. I'm not your pastor. Am I your pastor? I'll be doing it. When you are not praying, I'll come and meet you. I'm bros. Pray. 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 You will see. You'll be different. Prayer changes us. Not just, it's not just requests and answers and all of that. Prayer changes us. Prayer edifies us. Hmm? Thank you for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. For more updates on our programs and audio messages, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at This Excellent Church. God bless you.